0: Welcome back to another episode of the Higher Love with Megan podcast, talking all things holistic health and mind, body, soul, healing and expansion with me, your host, Megan Cooper. This week on the podcast, we are talking gut health. I love geeking out on gut health and it's becoming more and more widely spoken about in the health and wellness scene. Despite of course, the fact that humans discovered how important it was to overall health a long, long time ago. So many people suffer from gut health related issues, often without knowing that we do. So, think for example, bloating, weight issues, IBS symptoms, even things like anxiety or depression or mood swings. Our gut health impacts just about everything in the body from our metabolism to our hormones to our ability to detox and eliminate, our immune system, our cravings, our ability to lose, gain, or maintain weight, our mental or emotional well being. You name it, it starts in the gut. To deliver this podcast with me is the awesome Sarah Newland. Sarah is an Australian clinical nutritionist with a holistic approach and a preference for food as medicine protocols. Her experience ranges broadly from reproductive nutrition, hormone balancing, liver support, weight management, autoimmunity, sports nutrition. However her niche areas are rooted in gut health Gastrointestinal conditions and the gut brain connection. I came across Sarah when we both lived in Changu in Bali when I went to her for support with my own gut health. Sarah is a nutritionist with a difference. Her understanding of biology and the chemistry behind vitamins and nutrients and supplements is next level. Working with Sarah is literally like stepping into a science lab, but having it all packaged up in a really grounded, approachable way. And taking into account all of the other factors within our lifestyle as well. So, for example, looking at our stress and our lifestyle choices and habits. In Bali, Sarah ran her own nutrition consulting business, spoke on health retreats and owned two small gut health related food businesses. She's also full on girl crush material. Blonde, tanned, peppered with cute tattoos, flawless style. And she drove a white and black NMAX motorbike which is pretty much the coolest thing that you could do in Changu. Fortunately, after working together, we also became friends. Sarah now lives back in Australia, but works with clients online throughout the world. Now with a two-year-old daughter in tow, she's expanded her expertise to include natal and early childhood nutrition. I'm so pleased to be able to share her wisdom today. Strap on your seatbelts, there's a lot of information coming your way. All right, lovely. Well, I'm so excited to have you here to share all of your wisdom. So welcoming Sarah to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Obviously, we connected when we were both living in Bali and actually I came to you originally as a client um, to work on my gut health and you helped me enormously. And then obviously we created a friendship and I'm always so inspired by everything that you share and you're so knowledgeable in this area. So I'm really grateful that you're able to be here. So one of the first questions that I have is gut health is kind of, it's, it's almost treated like, as, like a bit of like a new age thing, right? It's in programs come out and podcasts come out that's kind of like oh gut health suddenly so important type thing but actually we've known that gut health's been important for millennia I mean Hippocrates has got that famous quote of how all health originates in the gut but yet it seems to be something that has been kind of left out of modern medicine when it's actually at the base of like Ayurveda the um, Indian form of medicine it's at the basis of traditional Chinese medicine but yeah it just seems to be have it seems to have been left out from modern medicine but it, and it's only just really making its way back in do you feel like that's the case or like how
1: do you My think God. that's happened yeah. <laughs> firstly thank you so much for such a lovely introduction um and yes i really share feeling your pain about this issue i think i'm not sure why why allopathic medicine has either ignored or just neglected to acknowledge this part of health it has always seemed kind of ridiculous to me that at that gut health has not really been acknowledged and that nutrition is not studied by doctors. I'm not sure if it has become a bit more pop I don't know if popularized but um, more well known. I've heard, you know, my I've got family members that are in medicine and, and an immunologist who sat down at Christmas dinner and I had to sort of listen to them talk about gut health and fecal transplants like they have just been discovered and they almost kind of didn't even look at me or acknowledge the fact that this has been my business for over a decade so yeah this is it's two worlds like natural medicine and then allopathic medicine and natural medicine natural medicine practitioners have appreciated health and its integral role in all health in the human body and now we're seeing mainstream medicine kind of jump on board appreciating it I suppose we have to look at it like it's a good thing but it is frustrating yeah yeah
0: Yeah, I was gonna say yay thank god for that Exactly. Um, Obviously, this has been your your business and your area of expertise for a really long time. Why should we make gut health a priority? And we can break this down into a few different sections. So maybe just starting off with physical health. How does gut health affect our physical body?
1: Our physical health can be determined by the strength of our immune system and 70% of our immune system comes from the cells are produced and resides in the gut. So your immunity stems largely from your gut health and the strength of your gut also depends on biodiversity of microbial populations. So you want to make sure that there's more good than bad because if you've got too much pathogenic bacteria or pathogenic microbes overpopulating the good bacteria, then this can implicate your immune system and you can have a reduced immune function, you know, just be more sort of prone to infections and colds and poor wound healing and just feeling run down all the time. Um, so that's obviously a physical health problem. Um, the absence of inflammation in the gut is super important because if you have a gut that is inflamed, your, your body is going to use immune resources managing that inflammation and that sort of takes away from your physical health and your physical health um, capacity to do things through the day. It's also interesting there's some studies that have all over the world but an interesting one that i can speak to which one that i listened to on a podcast from america was the link between gut biodiversity and athleticism so this woman was a cyclist and she put her hand up to be the donor for a fecal transplant for someone who had terrible health like i'm not i can't quite remember their exact circumstances but they were getting a fecal transplant so there was something that they significant that they wanted to fix anyway this person turned out to be a cyclist like the person that she got the faecal transplant from so it's really interesting how microbiome has played a role in changing that woman's entire physical health really wow. you know even down to the specific becoming a cyclist out of all the things she could have become so that's really interesting um, and another way that the microbiome can affect physical health is weight there's studies mm-hmm. in mice the first group was were, were sterile So they had mice in a lab that had a sterile gut and then they had the mice that were overweight and they put the microbiome from the overweight mice in the sterile mice and those mice became overweight as well. Mm. So microbiome is important for that. Also, your capacity to absorb nutrients is integral to all your health. So skin, muscle health, uh, liver health and your capacity to detox toxins from the body is dependent on the strength and integrity of your gut, because that's where we absorb the nutrients that carry out these roles. So, yeah, physical health is very much determined by your gut health. And
0: I find that so fascinating with weight as well. And I know that lots of people will be interested to hear that. And something that just came into my mind when you were talking about weight was also cravings. Cravings can be because we have a sugar addiction. You know that sugar is highly addictive. But something that I find fascinating about cravings as well is that it can be the pathogenic bad bacteria in your gut craving yeah. their lifeline. That's
1: correct, right? With cravings? 100%. Yeah, like the microorganisms in your gut are little beings and they have like metabolic needs just like we do. And as it turns out, a lot of, uh, as a general rule, the, the bad ones and the pathogenic ones, they like sugar. And the good ones, the ones that are beneficial for us tend to like healthier foods and they get sort of, you know, they feed on prebiotics from vegetables and things like that. So often, and I use this with my clients a lot too, if they do have sugar cravings, it can be helpful to sort of tell yourself, ah, it's not me. It's actually just those little microbes in my gut that I have been starving because I'm doing a good job of taking myself off sugar and they are hungry and they're giving me grief and you just sort of try and talk your way through it that way. Yeah, mm. yeah I think I, I think
0: I actually learned that from you. And when I was trying to really work on my addiction to sugar in Bali, I would literally be looking at food and be like, I refuse to feed you type thing, like talking yeah. to <laughs> my like, bad bacteria. Like, no, <laughs> you will not make me eat sugar. Exactly. So it's like great quite a useful tool once you've learned that Um, and talking about physical health as well um, I know that a lot of women that approach me and a lot of women in general really struggle with their hormones as well right like dysregulated Mm -hmm. cycles hormone issues how does gut health affect our hormones
1: well I mean there's a thing called neuroendocrine signaling and this is the hormonal involvement in the communication between the communication pathways between the gut and the brain. So one of the things that I was going to talk about is the gut-brain axis. This is like my passion Mm. area of health and hormones are really implicated in that. Mood and emotions can obviously be challenged when things aren't working efficiently in that neuroendocrine endocrine signaling. And the hormones involved are hunger hormones, metabolic hormones, stress hormones. So there's a pretty broad spread of how that can impact an individual. It usually does depend on their individual health profile as well. But mm. yeah, hormones can cop it. They really can. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And I love that you mentioned that the gut brain access as well. And that's something that I wanted to go on to next with how gut health affects our body. So maybe you could talk a little bit to how it affects our mental health and our emotional well-being as well.
1: Absolutely. So, well, the gut-brain access, it's a bi-directional signaling system. You know, messages are going both ways. So in a lot of cases, when someone presents with a problem, it might be a gastrointestinal problem, or it might be a mental health problem. And you sort of really have to work out what came first, the chicken or the egg, because they could have both, they generally will have both going on, gastrointestinal issues and mental health. And you just have to work out which one came first. It might not be significant which one came first, but which one to treat first in order to fix both? This bi directional signaling system, it can be called and is called the enteric nervous system, and it can be sort of thought of as a, as a separate brain, really. Um, your gut can almost be considered a brain or this communication signaling system. Um, and this, the ENS, the enteric nervous system, it includes the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve connects our cognitive and emotional centers directly with the gut and the microbes that live in our gut stimulate and influence the centers in our brain that the vagus nerve connects the gut to. So this is how mental health can be affected by what's going on in the gut. This is demonstrated by the fact that gastrointestinal disorders are almost always found to some degree in autistic children and people who have other neurological conditions going on. The other thing, well, stress, obviously stress is hugely important. Um, for gut health and having managing it properly for gut and mental health. Um, chronic high cortisol in the body is inflammatory and that can affect all sorts of areas of the body, but it's very um, impactful on the bowel. It disturbs our gut bacteria and affects the gut-brain axis, um, which obviously impacts your mental health. And this is where the sort of cyclical nature can become factor because you are stressed that causes high cortisol that becomes inflammatory then your gut becomes unwell which causes more problems inflammation in the gut sort of affects the communication with the brain which then implicates further mental health disturbances so it's a very um, back and forth bi-directional signaling system that once things are out of whack it can be troublesome at both ends in different areas
0: yeah kind of like a like a bit of a catch 22 or vicious cycle that like when we're stressed it starts to disrupt our gut and then yeah. our gut's disrupted then it creates even more stress and it's yeah. super interesting for as well for people who do suffer with anxiety or depression which unfortunately in today's Society seems to be a hell of a lot of people. And there are all sorts of different reasons why people experience these things. But knowing as well that even taking steps in your life to have better gut health could support you to reduce your symptoms or reduce your mood swings. I mean, that's not a one size fits all for everybody. Stress is a big thing in our society, right? It, in the UK, 60% of GP visits are meant to be stress related. So knowing about gut health and knowing how to benefit your gut health is useful for like every man on the street or every woman on the street um as well as people who yeah. suffer from anxiety or depression you know it's not necessarily a inverted comments like cure for your anxiety or depression but like it doesn't make it worse type thing knowing about your gut health yeah. and maybe you could talk a little bit about emotional well-being as well you know linked with anxiety and depression and how gut health effects on moods and things
1: The well, emotional health i mean serotonin your serotonin production again like the immune system is 90 percent from the gut and serotonin is not actually not only important for happiness but it's also important for muscle contraction and react and muscle relaxation so again your capacity to absorb and assimilate nutrients comes from your digestive ability and if you're not contracting and relaxing your digestive muscles properly in you know the peristalsis in your intestines as well as not producing serotonin that makes you happy then your health can fall apart you're not getting the vitamins and minerals that that hold everything together and keep your body processes going Um, but you're also obviously not going to get the mood boosts or help from the serotonin so that's A huge way in which the gut sort of impacts your emotional health and cortisol balance and an uninflamed gut is really just linked with more stable emotions and less anxiety and depression. So, you know, and we spoke about the hormones and the neuroendocrine signaling. Um, If you are trying to address this and you have obviously things in your life like relationships or work or whatever that you're trying to fix, obviously mindfulness and, and sorting those things out is very, is integral to the getting things better, but also working on your gut is not only is it not going to make it worse, working on your gut is going to help how you manage your emotions better. Your gut bacteria produce neuroactive substances. Serotonin is just one of them. So when you have overpopulations of the bad stuff, they can be producing neuroactive substances that aren't working in your favor, as well as the fact that you're not producing enough serotonin. As you're speaking, there was just one word that was coming
0: through from everything that you've said, which is resilience. Are having like having good gut health gives us good resilience in our immunity oh and just dealing with life, you know, because like yes. just dealing with day-to-day stress or whether it's a virus or sickness, it gives us resilience to life in general. Yep. And bearing in mind the last couple of years that we've all experienced, which has been a huge volume of collective stress, you know, having, having good gut health
1: provides us with an incredible foundation of resilience, it sounds like. Absolutely. I guess that's resilience for the, for the immune system, which is obviously integral to your health and happiness anyway. We've obviously
0: talked about all the ways in which gut health is important, and we can pretty much tick every single box as to why it's important for our health. But how do people know if we have good or bad gut health? And also, like, what have we maybe normalized? Because I think a lot of people think that certain things are normal, but actually they're not and are signs that you have poor gut health.
1: It's very true that things like bloating have been really normalized um, and brain fog and low energy in our modern kind of busy world. Some signs of poor gut health, which are definitely sort of key things to look out for. I mean, the first obvious thing is inconsistent or non-existent morning bowel movements Um, to get up and pass a good even bowel movement is a really healthy sign of good intestinal function and your body should be ready to get rid of that in the morning another thing that is very common is brain fog and it's one of those normalized things where we shouldn't really all be feeling so tired and unfocused throughout the day we should be clearer than that and that's actually one thing that people comment on The most, as they do start to heal their gut, is when they feel clearer and they just feel better able to do tasks that they need to do throughout the day. In line with the brain fog is low and or imbalanced energy that can come along with signs of poor gut health. Um, And this is often to do with the different microbial populations and their metabolic needs. So if they're hungry or if they're full of energy, your energy imbalances can be rooted in that. Another thing to look out for is flatulence. So mm-hmm. when gases are released by more micro- microorganisms in the gut and held in, um, that can be bloating and or flatulence. Um, so if you think you've got a bit more than what's possibly normal, um, then that can be something to look into. Bad skin is a sign that detox pathways are affected, can be affected by poor microbiome, poor gut health. The skin is one of our detox organs and so having bad skin can mean that there's impaired pathways in there and that can often be liver and gut health that are implicated. Poor nutrient assimilation can manifest in limitless ways but poor hair, skin and nails are often an obvious one to look at. So if you have brittle hair, nails or thin and and weak skin, then you can gauge from that that the nutrients that you're eating from food you're either not getting enough nutrition from your food or that there's a problem with the assimilation of those nutrients which can be which can be rooted in gut health bloating i mean it's so common in especially in women These days, SIBO, parasitic infections, general dysbiosis of the gut, trapped foods, fermenting in the gut with different microbial populations causing that, that can all be why you have bloating. And... Something else key to look at, which can signal why or how you might have poor gut health is that your microbiome maturation begins at birth. So you can learn a lot by finding out what the circumstances surrounding your birth were, whether you were born naturally or by a C-section. So when you come out naturally, you basically get covered in microbes all in your eyes, your ears, your mouth. They go down into your gut And it's one of the best gifts you can give your child. The first best gift you can give your child is giving them a natural birth. And unfortunately, with cesareans, which are obviously often necessary, they do miss out on that. Um, Another thing is breastfeeding. So there's huge biome benefits that come through the mother's breast milk, especially when it's fresh out. That is really important to how a child's microbiome develops. And then also babies and children, how medications such as antibiotics could have affected their microbiome. So as an adult, you can think about these things when you're sort of assessing how your gut health might be. Some of these things you might be going, oh, shit, I was born by a cesarean and I took so many antibiotics when I was a child. I, too, I ate antibiotics like they were M&Ms in the 1980s. A lot of people did. I don't know that anyone can really ever have perfect gut health and how do you determine that if you have taken really a lot of antibiotics but I've certainly sorted out my gut health and I don't suffer any of these symptoms that we're discussing now so there is hope if you've had a troubled gut in the past or things haven't been you haven't done things accordingly or if you haven't done things by the books of perfect gut health you can definitely do things now to get things a lot better Mm -hmm. really a lot better.
0: That's really reassuring for a lot of people, because if you've been born by C-section, if you've then taken loads of antibiotics, then I've definitely worked with girls who've been like, oh my God, my gut health's fucked for life because I did all these things, et cetera. But like, there is actually so much that you can do and maybe that's where we could go to next. So what are the big
1: do's and don'ts when it comes to gut health? I think first and foremost, we need to heal and seal the gut. So if you imagine your gut as a, not a very close analogy, but we'll work with it. A garden hose. So you've got different sort of layers, different things that you need to get right. And the first thing would be to heal and seal the gut lining. Then on top of that, once you've healed and sealed the gut lining, we you, then you would provide the necessary probiotics and, and eliminate the inflammatory food and the sugars and things that allow the pathogenic microbes to flourish. So how you would do that basically would be, I would suggest having bone broth as a regular in your diet. If you can put bone broth in morning and night, every day that's a great start because that provides the collagen and other amino acids that are just integral to healing that gut lining and re-establishing the bonds between cells in your mucosal lining of the gut bone broth is key and with a lot of my clients sometimes we work on that heal and seal part of gut healing before we even put any real probiotic foods in their habits right, taking out the bad stuff, getting used to not having the inflammatory things in your diet, getting used to having veggies and wild caught or pasture raised animal foods getting the quality right and putting in the bone broth. And then when that feels a little bit more comfortable, we'd go into sort of probiotic sauerkraut, raw milk, kefir, raw milk, natural yogurt, properly fermented kombucha and all those probiotic fermented vegetables.
0: Just to interrupt, what exactly are fermented foods? So they contain a high level of probiotics, right, which
1: feed the good bacteria. Exactly. As if you were taking a supplement, although they're better because they're natural that help promote the growth of the good bacteria and the good microbes. And they also help crowd out so they enable the bad populations to die out. You're always going to have bad populations in your gut. It's all about having biodiversity and you just want more of the good guys, basically. With kefir and natural yoghurt, touching on the dairy industry is like a whole different kind of ball game and obviously commercial dairy foods are really not something i would recommend cows get pummeled with hormones and antibiotics and it's not great and those sorts of yogurts and kefirs are probably not the best for you having said that if you are on a really tight budget and you it's either that or nothing then i would say the best quality natural yogurt you can get your hands on or the best quality natural dairy kefir that you can get your hands on still has probiotics that are of value to you and you would just want to reduce inflammatory foods in every other area if you could to sort of combat what you're putting in there. But soft-cooked, pasture-raised animal proteins are also really important to providing the heal and seal part of this protocol. So probiotic veg is especially helpful asparagus is a key one you want wild fish especially salmon because it's super anti-inflammatory and contains really healing nutrition for the gut wall soft cooked pasture raised animal proteins i often get asked about sort of plant-based diets with gut healing you definitely need the gentle fiber from veggies to assist with gut motility and help carrying out the debris and you definitely need the prebiotics from vegetables to help feed the good bugs basically I believe that animal proteins, when they're from a good source, are very helpful in healing the gut. Um, One of the sort of heroes that I look up to is Natasha Campbell McBride. Natasha Campbell McBride wrote the GAPS diet, which is the gut and psychology syndrome. So she's also very interested in the gut-brain axis and the link between gut health and mental health. And her GAPS diet protocol is quite similar to some of the things that I've pointed out here with the natural probiotic foods, bone broth, and then soft-cooked animal proteins as well. And another thing that's really important for achieving good gut health is, is rest and digest. So activating your parasympathetic nervous system, not being in that stressed mode where it's fight or flight and you're producing excess cortisol. Resting is one of the key things. Not consuming processed foods, not consuming processed cooking oils, unnatural preservatives and inflammatory foods. Inorganic fresh produce can be problematic because you're looking at the fertilisers and things like glyphosate, Mm -hmm. which can be terrible for our gut. However, if you can't afford organic food all the time, 24 seven, you can be considerate. I am a believer that grains are inflammatory for the gut. I guess this can be controversial according to some people, but I have taken it out of the diets of all my clients and then gotten them to the point where if they wanted to put them back in, they can, Mm. but I do find that it just clears up inflammation and it just allows for a healthy gut and a healthy microbiome to sort of Mm. flourish and operate well. And really a key important factor for, for gut health is avoiding antibiotics and excessive medications all medications have an impact on your gut in some way so you know managing that in in what you believe to be a sensible way or getting extra care and or speaking to your healthcare professional and perhaps discussing with them that you don't want to be on medications for a long mm-hmm. time if mm-hmm. that's something that you need to be on um, in yeah. a lot of cases can find a plan create a plan just something to be aware of as well
0: because like I I had a I had mm. surgery last year and then I ended up with an infection um, afterwards and I ended up having to take antibiotics because I tried mm. every other avenue first and then was like I actually just don't want to be in this much pain so I kind of gave into the to taking antibiotics but was very conscious about how I then treated my gut afterwards and got on some really good quality probiotics had a lot of fermented foods like really did try my best and obviously it takes time but I suppose just using a bit of discernment mm. with how much we bring into our how much we allow into our body and maybe trying to make some conscious choices about about the times when we do use those things sometimes it's completely unavoidable sometimes we have to I mean antibiotics save lives in some cases so like you know there's there's obviously some acts some discernment there but I suppose what you're saying is just
1: looking at other options as well um, and protecting 100%. our gut as much as we can. And taking antibiotics as a prophylactic is something that you could perhaps reconsider um, as a treatment. Like you say, sometimes they're just really important.
0: And I mean, I know
1: that some people come up against all this stuff
0: and especially, you know, if you suffer from poor gut health and a lot of the symptoms that you described, I know that some people can find it really overwhelming to be like, oh my God, I've got to start including all of this stuff and take out all of that and blah, blah. And it becomes very complicated and noisy. You know, I always try to simplify it through the noise. And, you know, there's so much support out there as well, which can be amazing, but also really challenging because then you're looking at loads of different Instagram videos and blogs and stuff and being like, oh my God, I need to do this. But she says, you blah, oh, blah, blah. And it's just too much. Um, and I try and look at it just like, a lot of this stuff is not total rocket science. You know, it gets really, really um, personalized and everybody is different. But it's not rocket science in that a lot of the processed man-made food contains crap that's not good for our bodies and it's not good for our guts. So when we start to just take that shit out, processed food, inflammatory food, we repair our gut in a huge amount of way anyway, right?
1: Well, 100%. The body wants to heal. The body has the knowledge of how to heal itself, if you give it the right tools or if you take away the things that you're putting in that are stopping it from healing itself, it will do so much on its own. And actually this brings us to it's like a it's almost considered a biohacking thing these days, which is mindfulness, yoga, meditation, because when you take up these practices, yoga, meditation, and your body relaxes properly, your body does start healing things on its own. So that's a really important point that there is. it's not rocket science. It's Mm. just doing what your body wants you to do, living in a way that enables your body to heal itself and taking out the bad stuff, simple, and eating real foods. Yeah. Just real foods are grown or born. They don't come from a factory. That's processed stuff. So just thinking about it simply like that can often be the thing that makes it easiest to apply. Mm. And I love that you mentioned
0: biohacking and, you know, it's, it's becoming something that's so trendy in terms of doing cold water plunges or ice baths and breath work and all of these things. These things that, that are really hitting the mainstream, they have all the incredible mental and emotional benefits, but also they're so positive for the vagus nerve as well, which is the gut brain. Access right? So all of these things are really working in unison when you're doing your yoga practice, when you're doing breath work, etc. you're helping your body on so many different levels. So I'm really glad that you, that you mentioned that too. Okay. So just one more question then. So if somebody was really struggling to change habits, and I'm sure that you come up against this in your client work, what advice do you generally give to people when they're just starting out or when they're struggling to stick to a regimen or, or struggling to change their habits, what kind of pieces of advice would
1: you give in that case? I normally sort of work out what would be appropriate for them in their life, look at their lifestyle, their needs, and then try and build things around that that fit in that aren't going to be too challenging. But to generalise, starting off mindfulness practices, just little check-ins with yourself let your body breathe so that you can get these healing working anyway on its own without all the other things that you might do protocols and such so taking a step back and relaxing cutting out the crap so if changing habits is hard just bit by bit cutting out the crap it's fundamental implementing the good things bit by bit so if a person operates better with a bit of a schedule then we can do things like i have a little i call it a sunday session i mean this can be applied to any any day of the week it depends on the person but sunday session is not what it used to be perhaps it's a sunday <laughs> session is really good quality and conscious grocery shopping so it might be that you actually rather than just dashing into the supermarket on the way home from work one night, you allocate three hours on a Sunday to going to the supermarket, a health food store. And it might be another place like a butcher or a fish store, or it might be another health food store, whatever. But if you allocate that time, then you go home. You've got a bit of extra time up your sleeve to perhaps roast some pumpkin to keep in the fridge, to throw in salads or cook some things, wash all your vegetables with vinegar, and you might have like a nice wash mix that you do in the sink wash your vegetables properly and then so they're all ready. just prep of any degree it could be cooking for the week making omelette muffins or something for your kids whatever you know putting that time in on a Sunday because not only does that get you prepped for the week but that effort that love that you've put into it you then want to use it through the week there's a bit of pride involved and a bit of Mm. achievement um, and that really helps so I find that to be an important part of doing this as well sort of putting in the effort makes you proud of yourself so yeah. you continue to put in more effort and another thing that I was going to mention which is a good tip for taking the leap if you are having trouble with changing habits it's a little bit left of center but they're actually amazing I'm pretty sure I suggested this to you when you're in Bali start with a colonic it's mm. a weird experience you've mm-hmm. never had one before and actually if you've never had one before you might have to have a few over the course of a month or two but a a colonic can help clear out your bowel in such an important way that makes you feel lighter and better and with those changes to how you feel it's just a really good foundation for then going on and making these changes and putting in other efforts that help you along your way yeah Um,
0: yeah I feel like I like we could record an entire episode around colonics. Like, <laughs> they are amazing, <laughs> yeah, absolutely amazing. And I'm so glad that you recommended them to me in Bali. And there was an amazing colonics lady in Bali. I've never known anyone who got so much joy out of removing shit from people's guts. Like <laughs> she's a true light worker <laughs> on this planet. <laughs> the stuff that comes out of your yeah. body. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> Been there yeah. for a long time, meters, meters <laughs> worth. I mean, like, I feel like meters. you literally like, drop a stone just
1: like going. I know we were really? riding into that place <laughs> feeling so light and happy. And she yeah. was really amazing because I've never had another colonics person that massaged the stomach, so yeah. she was just this little traditional kind of Balinese colonics professional who had no, you know, other than just sort of getting trained to do it there in Mm -hmm. bali she didn't have like any human biology training or anything but she knew she understood the gut just from massaging the stomach and she was so Mm -hmm. amazing and having had her it makes it hard to go to anyone else now
0: awesome And we'll just finish up. But um, yeah, everything that you've said about the keys to success, it's kind of like a reallocation of time and finances, right? I mean, if you have the ability to do so, because Mm -hmm. the first time I ever saw a health coach when I myself was living in Melbourne, my diet was pretty shit. She recommended that I started eating like organic salmon and stuff. And I was like, I don't have the money to spend on this stuff. But actually, I was going out and spending like hundreds of dollars on alcohol or anything like that. So it's like a reallocation of, mm-hmm. of money and also a reallocation of time as well because how much time do we spend scrolling on our phones or watching Netflix or something? And if you can find a 20 minutes here or 30 minutes there, and I mean, obviously it becomes more complicated when you have kids or something that you, know, you, you have more demands on your time, but certainly just taking that investment and that self-ownership to really start to do
1: positive steps for your body and your body will thank you. Absolutely. I mean, if starting with bone broth is is the first thing you can do, it costs next to nothing to make it. Same with sauerkraut. So there's a couple of things you can do for almost Yeah, awesome. All right, my love. Well, thank you so
0: much for sharing your magic with us. You are an absolute witch when it comes to gut health and I owe so much of my health to working with you in Bali. So I'm very grateful to you on a personal level, but also very grateful to you for, for sharing your goodness with us here. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great <laughs> to come on and chat to you. Awesome. Thank you, my love. You. Well, there you have it. As I said in the introduction, Sarah is the absolute genius of gut health. If you yourself suffer from gut health related issues or in fact any of the symptoms that we touched upon which perhaps you hadn't even linked to gut health, I do encourage you to get in touch with her for a consultation. I cannot recommend that woman enough. She transformed my health in 2018 and since then I've sent multiple people her way who have experienced radical changes in their health too. Sarah's sessions involve comprehensive investigations into all aspects of your health and also how to achieve your goals. You will gain the knowledge, a treatment plan and resources to navigate your health and vitality going to where you want to be for the long term. If you'd like support for your health or for your children's health, you can visit Sarah's website or Facebook business page for testimonials or information on consultations and packages. For example, the three day metabolic reset program. All of the information that you need is in the show notes for this episode. Taking ownership of our gut health is a way for us to get really empowered about our health across the board, mind, body and soul. In these noisy and sometimes chaotic times, we are being invited to come even more into alignment with our authenticity and our sovereignty. Having good gut health is a vehicle for exactly this, as it allows us to hear our inner gut instincts a lot more clearly. To receive information and feedback from our body. It can be the difference between feeling tired and energized, between having a shaky immune system and a strong one, between feeling at the mercy of our cravings and mood swings, or in full or greater control of our own internal landscape. Sometimes we have no idea how good we can actually feel. Working on your gut health will raise the baseline of your health exponentially. If you enjoy this episode, I love for you to take a moment to rate, follow or share the podcast so that more people can benefit from the content. Do feel free also to connect with me via my Instagram at higherlove underscore with Megan with any of your feedback, what you're enjoying in the podcast and anything that you'd like to hear more about. I always love hearing from you. So until next week, big love.